Right. Brother Tim York, if you'd come on up. This is Pastor Tim York. He's here to preach to us this morning and tonight. And y'all make him feel welcome. And we're excited to have you here, my friend. Amen. Looking forward to it. Well, praise the Lord. God is good, isn't he? Uh, I used to tell him, I said, all the time, God is good. God is good all the time, isn't he? <laughs> well, praise God. It is a blessing to be here with you today. And uh, what a blessing I've already received, uh, singing these, these old hymns and the blessings that God has given to us. And then this song here, you know, it's, it's all about the blood of Jesus Christ. Without the blood of Jesus Christ, none of us could be here today. Whether you're saved or you're lost, or whether you're listening today uh, by radio or Facebook or some other means, uh, there's no other way that any of us could be here without the blood of Jesus Christ today. Uh, that song, Redeemed Today, Redeemed by the Blood. Uh, we're not redeemed by works of, of our own selves. We're not redeemed by things that uh, we've done or people that we've seen or accolades that we've accomplished in this life. We're saved and redeemed only by the precious blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And that makes me happy today, amen, because it makes me know that there was only one today that could bring salvation to my life, and that was Jesus Christ, amen, and is Jesus Christ today. Uh, today, you and I have the opportunity that if you're lost today, that Jesus can save you and give you great encouragement. Uh, he can bring uh, boldness to your life and strength to your life like you've never had before. Uh, he can enable a poor old country boy like me to get it behind a sacred desk like this and preach the Word of God. You know, when God called me to preach, uh, when God saved me, I wondered why He saved me. Uh, but I knew He loved me, amen. And then when God called me to preach, I said, Lord, you know, I, I'm just a, 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 a young guy. I, I don't know a whole lot, you know. And He said, that's all right. He said, I'll take you and I'll help you to learn some things. And uh, over the years, He's encouraged me and given me such great strength. And I appreciate that. And it's always been a great blessing. It's good to see all y'all here today, amen, amidst COVID-19. And I appreciate your social distancing and so forth that you've done today. And uh, what a blessing. All right. Well, we're going to ask you, if you would, take the Word of God and turn with us to Matthew's Gospel, Chapter 9. Matthew's Gospel, Chapter 9 this morning. Matthew, Chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9, when you find your place there, if you would please stand with us as we uh, read the word of the Lord. Matthew chapter 9, we're going to begin reading there in verse 20 of that chapter. Beginning in verse 20, the word of God states, And behold, a woman which was diseased with an issue of blood twelve years came be behind him and touched the hem of his garment. For she said within herself, If I may but touch his garment, I shall be whole. But Jesus turned him about, and when he saw her, he said, Daughter, be of good comfort, thy faith hath made thee whole. And the woman was made whole from that hour. And when Jesus came into the ruler's house and saw the minstrels and the people making a noise, he said unto them, Give place, for the maid is not dead, but sleepeth. And they laughed him to scorn. Let's go to the Lord in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, as we come now and approach your throne of grace, Father, we seek your guidance today. We realize that you're a holy and a righteous God. And Father, we yield unto that holiness and that righteousness and realize, Father, that, Lord, we're here today but by the precious blood of our Savior, Jesus Christ. 
And we thank you, Father, for his precious blood. We thank you for the cleansing power in that blood and the honor which we receive in our own lives as we receive him as our Savior. And so we ask now, Father, that you'll take charge. Bless this service. Father, I pray that you'll hide me behind the cross, Lord. I'm not here that people might see me, but I'm here, Father, that people might see you and accept you. And then, Father, we praise you today for the, the blessings of this church. We praise you, Father, for the continuance of the gospel ministry in this church and, and this pastor, Father, and the blessings that uh, he is, Father, to this church and this congregation. We thank you, Father, for a congregation that will appreciate their pastor and appreciate the preaching that he does and, and the stand that he takes for the gospel. And we pray, Father, now that you might take charge once again in this service. Have your will, Father. Have your way in this service. Speak to the hearts of each and every listener. For it is in Jesus' name we ask this humble prayer. Amen. All right, you may be seated. If you would, I want you to take your hymnal once again and turn to page 489. And I hope there's one up here that I can borrow for a minute. Thank you, brother. Appreciate that. 489. I want you to look over there for just a minute with me. I'm sure it's a hymn that you all know. It's a very old hymn. It says, Pass Me Not. And if we were to sing this this morning, we may do that a little bit later, I'm not sure, but if we were to sing this this morning, you would uh, find uh, harmony in that song, harmony in the song itself, and the music as it's played or as it's sung but you would find harmony because it's harmony into the gospel itself and teaching us and the understanding of what it means to, to be saved and, and why that we're thankful that God did not allow His Son to pass us by. Amen. Aren't you glad today that in your salvation today that God did not allow His Son to pass you by? Today you have had the opportunity, if you're saved, that Christ has not passed you by, that you have been there with Him, that you have met Him, that you not only have met Him personally, but His precious blood has cleansed you of all your unrighteousness, of all your past, present, and future sins. I'm thankful for a God that would not pass me by like that. Amen? I'm thankful for the blessings that He's given unto me. So let's look at this song for just a minute. Fanny Crosby uh, she is a, a blind lady from many years ago, uh, a writer of many of our gospel hymns today and how God worked in her heart and how God worked in her life. And she writes here, she says, Pass me not, O gentle Savior, hear my humble cry. While on others thou art calling, do not pass me by. Savior, Savior, hear my humble cry. While on others thou art calling, do not pass me by. Now, I don't know about you, but the reason that this song come about is because of this. Uh, Fanny Crosby, um, back when she was a little girl, and she actually started writing songs not long after she was a young girl, and it was back in her old home church where she was at, and the pastor had preached, and he had given the invitation, and in her dream, she saw the Lord Jesus walking down the middle of the aisle of the church like we have here today. And he was calling, one here, I want you to come. He was calling one there, I want you to come. And then another one here, and another one there. And as he uh, was passing by these seats and asking these people to come out, they were getting up, and they were coming up, and they were meeting with Jesus, and, and they were talking to him. And, and as Fanny Crosby got, uh, Jesus uh, uh, was getting there next to her aisle where she was sitting at, he just walked right on by. This is what she saw in her dream. 
And all these others that had come, all these others that had been walking by and he had told unto them that, that uh, you need to come on and follow me. He got by Fanny Crosby's aisle and walked right on by. And she says in her dream, she called out. She said, whoa, whoa, wait, do not pass me by. And we find this in this scripture and we find this here in this song as well where it says, Pass me not, O gentle Savior, hear my humble cry. While on others thou art calling, do not pass me by. Many years ago, in a church in Asheboro, North Carolina, God saved my soul. I was a young person of 15 years of age, and like most youth in the church, we had all sat together, we all sat kind of down on this side of the church here, and, and uh, the reason we did that, because we used to sit in the back of the church back there, and we couldn't hear the preaching, because ladies kept clipping their fingernails through the service. <laughs> and we didn't like that, we wanted to hear the preaching, so we all came up and sat down on the first three rows of the church. And our pastor was preaching that Sunday morning, and I had not lived my life right, I'd lived my life in sin, even at that early age. I had disobeyed God. I had done many things that God had told me not to do. And I had disregarded His calling many times. And I remember standing in those pews about where you're sitting at, sister. And I remember sitting there and I would hold on to that pew when the altar call was given and, and the invitation was preached and, and shared with us and the singing was going on and, and the, uh, the choir would sing and the, the little quartet would sing sometimes and I would hang on to that pew and honestly you could probably go back to that church today and find my fingernail prints in the pew where I was hanging on because I knew that God wanted me to come but I was so afraid to come. I was so afraid that if I came, somebody would laugh at me. I was so afraid that if I came, somebody would make fun of me and mock me. I was so afraid that at that young age that all my young friends would say, oh, <laughs> you're an idiot, you know. But how wrong I was. Because that day when the Lord got a hold of my heart and would not let me go, I was so thankful that day that He did not pass me by that day. And I got up out of the pew and there was uh, three girls sitting on this side of me and, and I, I, I got up and they looked at me and they, they said, what are you doing? And I said, well, I need to go forward. And I pushed them out of the way and I pushed this one out of the way and I pushed that one out of the way and I got on uh, out of the pew and I went down the side and knelt there by the uh, piano of the church and, and, and just knelt there. I didn't know what to do. I was lost, you see. I didn't know Jesus as my Savior, but I knew He wanted me to be saved. And I didn't want to die and go to hell. And so you know what happened? My pastor, that precious man that I loved so much, even though I was lost, I didn't realize that I, I was still supposed to love the preacher, and I did, you see, because I looked up to him. He was a man of respect and a man of esteem. And I watched him come down and stand on those steps down there, and he come beside me, put his hand on my shoulder as he knelt down, and he was a big man. He knelt down beside of me, and he said, Tim, he said, why have you come today? And with tears rolling, snot blowing, and everything else, you know, <laughs> I'm a country boy, so I'm sorry if that gets on you. <laughs> I, I looked at him, and I said, I want to be saved. I do not want to die and go to hell. You see, he had preached about hell that Sunday morning. 
And I knew, I knew where I was heading. And I really believe in my heart and my life that that was the last time he would ever pass by me. And I knew that I had to make that walk. I knew I had to get up from that pew and I knew I had to come there and I knew I had to see Jesus. I wasn't coming to see the preacher. I was coming to see Jesus, you see. And boy, did I get to see him. <laughs> what a blessing. My life has never been the same since that time. Four months later, I accepted the call to preach and been preaching ever since then. Started preaching when I was 15 and a half, 16 years old. And I tell you, folks, it has been a whirlwind. <laughs> Amen. And what a blessing. And I'm so thankful for that. So you say, preacher, what, is, what does all this have to do with the, the message today and the, 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 the scripture that you've read? Well, I want to speak today on the subject of pass me not, O gentle Savior. Pass me not, O gentle Savior. Fanny Crosby, she writes, she says, While on others thou art calling, do not pass me by. You see, salvation is a personal thing. It's not something that, that we can accept in a, in a great group necessarily, and you can be saved in a great group, but it's a personal salvation that God has given to each and every one of us. And even though I had been in church all those years, and, and the pastor had been preaching, and invitations had been given, and the power of God was there, and God was moving on my heart and my soul to bring me forward, until I realized it was personal to me, I did not walk forward. And that's what has to happen to each and every one of us today. And maybe you're lost in this service today until you realize that salvation is personal for each and every one of you. It will be hard for you to walk that aisle. And if you do walk that aisle, it may be in, in wrongdoing. And so many, I believe, others in churches have walked the aisles and they have had that calling, but they walked and they didn't receive Him personally, you see. They had a head knowledge and not a heart knowledge of God. And because of that head knowledge that they had, it moved them and, and they walked through life and maybe even dead now and went on to hell because there was no real salvation there. They never passed under the blood, you see. And that's what we have to do in that personalization is get to know Jesus and get to know His blood. I heard someone preach a few years ago and, and they were talking about churches of, of days now and, and they say, you know, there's not a whole lot of preaching about the blood anymore. And that's true, there's not. We've got liberal churches and liberal preachers and liberal congregations that they don't want to hear about things like that. They don't want to hear about the blood and the preaching of the blood and, and the preciousness of the blood. But it's in the blood, dear friend. The Bible tells us without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin today. None whatsoever. And so because of the blood today, you and I can be here. And it's because of the blood today that Fanny Crosby was able to write this song, Pass Me Not, Old Gentle Savior. So listen to this today. I, I believe Fanny Crosby was saying in, in her dream and in this song to us, and, and I say this to you today, Lord, do not pass me by because of my condition. You see, the Bible tells us that, that we are depraved, that our condition is terrible. In Jeremiah chapter 17 and verse 9, he tells us that the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. 
You and I today without Jesus Christ, we find ourselves in, in a terrible situation because our situation is a depraved condition. And that word depraved simply means that, that we don't have what we need. If you deprave a child or an adult of food or, or some type of a, a thing that will bring them sustenance, that means they do not have what they need. And if you deprave them long enough, what they'll do is they'll, they'll wither and dry up and die. I've heard that it's about 64 or 67 days that a person can live without bread and water and without food. And then you, your body begins to break down. The internal organs begin to break down. And all the things that are there begins to break down. And eventually then, very quickly, you'll die after that. And so God tells us that we're depraved. That our heart, He actually tells us that, that our intentions are actually evil today without Jesus Christ. And so we find then that our condition is depraved. And, and Fanny Crosby that day when she was dreaming this dream and she saw Jesus in that dream, she realized even in her blind state that she was not only blind with her eyes, that she was blind in her spirit and she needed someone because she was depraved in her condition. She was not fulfilled. She did not have everything she needed. She didn't have all the, the blessings that she needed. She didn't have the love of God that she needed. So we find, first of all, that our condition is depraved. That's why we do not want Jesus to pass us by. Number two, we do not want Jesus to pass us by because our condition is also distressful. In Psalm 40, in verses 1 and 2, he says to the chief musician, a psalm of David, I waited patiently for the Lord, and He inclined unto me and heard my cry. He brought me up also out of the horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock, and established my goings. You see, it was Jesus who reached down into that horrible pit, down into that miry clay, and brought us up out of that miry clay. And that miry clay is, is a muck, if you will. You ever been in a, in a pond? You ever seen a pond, anybody? Maybe you have. Maybe a couple of you, I think, raised their hands. And you get down in that pond and, and you get in there and, and you sink down to your knees. <laughs> Many years ago, at the church that I pastored in Asheboro, North Carolina, uh, there was a, uh, a pond across the road from our house and one of our church members owned it. He lived there and, and we were, didn't have a baptismal uh, pool in our church and, and so he said, well, you can use our pond. And, and I had about six or seven people, I think it was, to baptize and, and we got down there and I put on my little boots, you know, my muck boots and, and uh, I had my suit on and everything like you're supposed to have and I didn't think about putting on anything to cover it up with and I got down in that water and, and I got a little farther and, and all of a sudden I felt, started feeling my legs getting down farther and farther, you know. It felt like that mud was sucking me up. And I knew, I've got to baptize some folks, and I knew, Pastor, you know this, when, when, when you're baptizing someone, you've got to be able to move a little bit, you know, because everybody's not the same size. <laughs> you've got little ones and medium ones and bigger ones sometimes, and you definitely have to move when you've got bigger ones because you've got to place your feet a little bit, and I couldn't do that. And I thought, Lord have mercy, how am I going to do this, you know? <laughs> Lord help me though. Those people came in the water. We baptized them. And I told them, I said, be careful. I said, when you pick up your feet, I said, pick them up like this, you know. Got down to muck. That miry clay. And it's that miry clay that kind of holds you down. It kind of sucks you down. And it was Jesus Christ, he says here. It was God who reached down into that miry clay and pulled us out of that horrible pit, he says. 
You see, not only are we depraved today, but our condition is distressful. Imagine if you were stuck in a pond in the miry clay and there was nobody around there to pull you out of the muck. How distressed would you be? Night after night there in the clay. Night after night not being able to be pulled out. You're calling for someone, Help! Help! And no one comes to your rescue or your service. And the distress begins to creep in. And when that distress begins to creep in, what happens then? Well, you, you, you realize you're alone. Your mental status begins to break down and, and the distress and, and you panic. And when you panic and you move, what do you do? You get stuck farther down in that miry clay. I've read about um, that sand, you know, that they call quicksand. <laughs> And the more you fight and struggle to get out of it, the deeper you go until eventually you go under. That's pretty distressed there, isn't it? <laughs> I had a friend one time, and he used to like to take wood, and he would uh, uh, put some stain on it and then put some polyurethane on it. But before he did that, he would take and have his uh, young boys to come and bring a chain and barbed wire and they would take that chain, that barbed wire, and he'd say, beat that piece of wood like it ain't never been beat before. And they'd beat that wood and they'd take hammers and, and chisels and make places in it and all this stuff. And he said, he said I'm teaching them to distress the wood. You see, when we get distressed, it's because we've been beaten. It's because we've been broken down. It's because that we've had that spiritual barbed wire, if you will, that worldly barbed wire, maybe I should say, come down upon us and pull us and, and put little, little holes in us and marks in us and break us down. And our condition is that way. And that's why we need Jesus to pass by here. I need Jesus to pass by here today. I need Him to pass by here. I know you do. You've got family members that need Jesus to pass by. You sitting here today need Jesus to pass by and call upon you. Come. Come. We find the condition is depraved, it's distressful, but we also find that our condition leaves us doomed. In Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 3, he tells us there, among whom also we all had our conversation in time past, and the lust of our flesh fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. That, that word uh, wrath there is interesting uh, because he, we find that it is a, a word that means anger, indignation, and vengeance. We're full of it, he says, from, from the time that we're born in this world. He says we're full of this indignation and this anger and it brings the implication of punishment to us. And again we read, he says that, uh, there he says that we were by nature the children of wrath. By nature, by the very sin nature that's within us, he tells us that we're doomed. Without Jesus Christ, without the precious blood of Jesus Christ, without Him passing by and bringing us into Him and we accepting Him, dear friend, in your eternal situation, it's nothing but doom. And that's the truth. It breaks my heart. And I'm sure it probably bothers some of y'all to think that with all these other things that we've talked about, the distress, the, 
the, the indignation that you find in, in your own lives and the lives of other people that there's, even to the very end, if you don't receive Jesus Christ, your sinful nature says to you that you're doomed, that you're damned for hell. You see, there's only two places we'll spend eternity, and that's either in heaven or in hell. There's not some little place in between that you're going to plant flowers and enjoy yourself the rest of your days, you know. And we might go to the cemetery and we might see headstones out there, but that's not the final resting place of folks, friend. The Bible tells us that one day that, that the trump of God will sound and, and the graves will burst open and the dead in Christ shall rise and all those that remain, uh-oh, doomed. Doomed for hell. Do not pass me by because of my condition. Number two, the Bible also tells us that, uh, that there is a, a company that we find that the Lord has. Do not pass me by because of your company, Lord. The company that you keep. You see, the company that the Lord keeps is so much different than the company that most of us keep, isn't it? As we think about the Lord and His company, uh, there's never been a company of folk that, that followed the Lord Jesus Christ uh, that was any greater than the ones that we see here. We find that the company that follows the Lord in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 18 and 19, they were a redeemed company, brother. You talked about redemption this morning in your Sunday school lesson. The blood of Jesus Christ in your Sunday school lesson. And not only were they this redeemed company, but the Bible tells us that in that redemption that they were brought back. That's what redeemed means, to be brought back. And you see, the reason that we were brought back is because in the very beginning, dear friend, when God created them, Adam and Eve, they were placed in the garden. And why were they placed in the garden? They were placed there to praise and worship God, to honor God, and to lift Him up. And sin came in. That old nasty sin nature that we talked about a while ago, that dooming sin nature. First Peter chapter 1, verse 18 says, For as much as ye know, that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers. Well, preacher, I'll be saved if I just keep on coming to church. Mom and Daddy comes to church and I'll just be saved if I keep coming to church. I, I, I'll do what they do and I'll be okay when, when the Lord comes back, when that trump of, of God is blown. Well, I'll, I'll be okay if I put enough money in the offering plate I'll be okay if I, if I dress like I'm supposed to, you know, and, and look like I'm supposed to. I, I'll be okay if I talk like I'm supposed to. If I just, if I just live my life and, and, and do my best, I'll be okay. Right? Wrong. Wrong. The Bible says we're not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold and things that were brought about by the conversation and, and the tradition of our fellow men and women. It's not those things you see that bring us salvation. As I mentioned earlier, there's only one thing, and that's Jesus Christ through His blood. That precious resurrection of, of Christ that God brought about, dear friend. That's what brings about our salvation. Do not pass me by because of your company. You see, the company that Jesus keeps are, is a company of redeemed people. <laughs> I like that. Redeemed how I love to proclaim it. Redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. You see, redeemed people. 
And no wonder when we sing the songs of God, we smile and we get happy and our spirits get full and they get filled up because we're redeemed and there's a brother beside of me that's redeemed and there's a sister playing the piano that's redeemed. There's people singing that are redeemed. And they love God. They praise God. And it moves your spirit. It moves you on high so that you can praise God. Isn't that good? Oh, and that's the company that Jesus keeps. That's why Christians are different than anybody else. That's why God calls Christians peculiar people. And that doesn't really mean that you're odd. <laughs> Just because you look odd to everybody else don't mean you are. <laughs> I've been looking odd to people ever since I was a teenager, you know. But you know what? I'm glad to be odd. I'm glad to be different. I'm glad to have Jesus in my heart. You see, the company he keeps is a redeemed company, but they're also a regenerated company. They're born again. Born again from above. Oh, what a blessing. Nicodemus asked Jesus, he says, how can I enter my mother's womb the second time? And Jesus told him, he said, it's not that kind of, it's not that kind of being born again, Nicodemus. You see, you're, you're born from above. You're born from my Father and through the blood. You see, the blood hadn't been spilled yet, but it was about to be. And Jesus knew that it was about to be. He knew that those things was going to happen. And He knew that the blessings was going to come to Nicodemus if he would but receive Jesus. And so we find... That it's a redeemed company. It's a regenerated company. I, I, I'm so glad that when God saved me, you know, I shared that, uh, that little part of that with you a while ago about when I got saved. Now, I was so, so downtrodden because of my sin. I was so downtrodden because of the way I'd been living and the things I'd been doing. And when I got saved, I got up from that piano side of that altar and I walked back to the pew and, and I was so excited. The pastor brought me forth for a friend of the church and he said, he said, tell everybody what happened to you. And again, with, with snot pouring and, and and uh, tears rolling. I said, I got saved. Jesus saved me. He said, where are you going? I said, to heaven. And I remember that day going home. I was so excited. Because I was different. I honestly was different. It was not like it was before. And I went home. Mom and Dad had an old station wagon. And I sat behind Dad in that station wagon. We rode home. And I remember it was a cloudy day. Kind of like it was today. Foggy. And I... I looked up in the sky and I kept thinking, well, there's that eastern sky. I wonder if today he's coming back. And if it is, I'm going home. <laughs> and that excited me. You see, I was regenerated. And from that point until this day, you say, preacher, have you, ever, have you ever had a bad day? Well, of course I have. I'm human, you know. Just like you. I put on my pants and socks and shoes the same way y'all do, folks, you know. We all, we all are afflicted by sin. Because just because you get saved doesn't mean you never sin again. It just means that you're saved and, you're, and, and God is working in your life and working on that salvation. And you're working that salvation out. And so we find then that this redeemed company is a blessed company. This regenerated company is a, is a bought company. And then we find that they were a rejoicing company. A rejoicing company. That's what we were doing in here this morning earlier. And that's actually what I'm doing right now. I, I'm not just necessarily preaching. I'm rejoicing in my Savior because I know that He's my Savior. Amen? I'm glad of that. I'm proud. I'm proud of my Lord. And I want to let Him know. I, I want to let others know. I want to let people know everywhere I go that Jesus is my Savior. Amen? 
Now, I go places and I do things and I'm not always in this suit and tie. And I go places and I still want to be recognized as a Christian. Amen. I don't care if you recognize me as a preacher or not, but I want to be recognized as a Christian wherever I go. I want people to be able to see Jesus Christ in me. I, I want to be, as he tells us there in the, in the book of Ephesians, I, I want us to be imitators of Christ as dear children. I, I want to, and that word imitator there is the same word we get our word satellite from in the Greek. And, and it means that we are to reflect Jesus Christ wherever we go, whatever we do, ever how we act, ever how we talk, ever how we think, we're to reflect Jesus in everything. And so oft times we, we find ourselves as Christians, we, we walk out, we've been blessed with such great a salvation, and we get out there and act like idiots, don't we? I'm sorry, again, I'm Christian, so if you're an idiot, I apologize. <laughs> oh, listen, friends. A rejoicing company, regenerated, redeemed. But then there's something else I want to point out to you. Because of all these blessings that God has given unto us, we're also a responsible company. The company that Jesus keeps, He keeps company with responsible people. We're to live our lives responsibly. In fact, the Lord tells us that we're to present ourselves as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto Christ, which is our what? Our reasonable service. It's just the reasonable things we're supposed to be doing. And so we are responsible to our Lord to live our lives for Him. Now what's the first responsibility that you and I have? Our first responsibility is to carry the Word of God everywhere we go. And you say, well preacher, I, I can't carry that big old honking Bible with me to work. They won't let me bring it in there. You don't have to carry this big old honking Bible with you to work. You know where you can carry it at? Hide it in your heart that you might not sin against God. Amen? And you take the Word of God and you put it in there and you say, well, preacher, I can't memorize everything in this book. Listen, I, I can't neither. I haven't yet. And I'm still learning. I, I've been preaching since I was almost 16 years old and I still hadn't learned it all by memorization. Because every time I open up the book and I read a passage of Scripture, I read it yesterday, but today it means something different to me. And God speaks to me in a different way. But I try to memorize as much as I can. And I try to put it in my heart so that when I go places and I talk to people and the situation arises, then I can speak to people about my Lord. Amen. I'm responsible. I'm responsible as a Christian to share the Word of God and to give it out. You see, folks, this is our mission field right out here. Everywhere you go is your mission field. At work, when you go to school, amidst COVID-19, when you go to your entertainment places, when you go down and visit Wally World, you know, uh, you, you've got to share the Word of God. And I know you do it. I know you take gospel tracts and you pass them out and you lay them in the bathrooms and you lay them on the, uh, the places where you get your, your shopping carts and things like this. I understand that we do all that. But listen, dear friend, is that enough? No! It's never enough when we share the Word of God because we have a responsibility. And, and as I look at the word responsibility in the English language, that does not end. It's always there. Always there. So we have a responsibility. Oh, listen. Friend, uh, there was a, a fellow by the name of John Flavel. 
And John Flavel said this uh, wonderful little statement. He says, be not quick to bury the church before she is dead. <laughs> There's people in our world today that think the church is dead. You know, and maybe they think it even more so now since the devil has jumped in on this COVID-19 and, and a lot of churches aren't even back in services and, and they're not doing things that they're supposed to be doing and stuff like this. And, and maybe everybody out in the world now thinks, well, the church really is dead. I know back in my early ministry there was a, uh, a thing that came out and it came on Time Magazine and it said on the front of Time Magazine, God is dead. God is not dead. And if God is not dead, the church is not dead. Because listen, Christ is the chief cornerstone of the church. He is the head of that church, dear friend. And you and I are just the under-shepherds and, and the workers and the part of the body of Christ that continues to do the work. What a great responsibility we have. And with such a great responsibility, listen, dear friend, the church is not dead then, is it? We're here. We're here and we're ready to fight. I got my sword and my shield and I've got God in my heart and I'm ready to go. I'm ready to fight. Some of you sitting out there probably saying, Preacher, go ahead and go then. <laughs> we're tired. <laughs> oh, listen. Lord, do not pass me by because of my condition. And Lord, please do not pass me by because the company that you keep, I want to be a part of. And I'll tell you what, friends, what a, what a sweet, sweet blessing that would be. There's a ship that was sailing from the Orient with a large number of caged birds, and in mid-ocean one escaped from the cage and with delight swept away from his prison. But after many years he appeared again, struggling to get back on board of the ship, and with many people they get to thinking the same way about the church, don't they? <laughs> They get in bondage and they break away. But if they're truly saved, what are they going to do? They're going to come struggling back. And they're going to fight to get back into the church. And right now, there's probably people that they've broken away. Maybe some folks that were weak in their spirit. Maybe some folks that maybe weren't saved. Maybe, maybe they had been living a lie already in the church. And they've broken away. But when God opens up their heart, He's going to direct them back just like a little homing pigeon, you know. Come back home. And that all happens because the Bible tells us that Jesus doesn't pass by. Aren't you glad He didn't pass by the woman with the issue of blood? I, I knew you were wondering when I was going to get back to my Scripture. <laughs> And that's what it's about, you see. I read the Scripture as a, as a textual understanding of what Jesus does for us. Jesus didn't pass by that woman. She came and touched the hem of His garment. And the Bible says that, that, that it, it went out of Him. His very essence went out of Him. His power went out of Him. And he realized that someone who really needed, someone who really wanted salvation, someone who really wanted to see Jesus, didn't want him to pass by without her letting him know, I'm here. Have you let Jesus know today that you're here? Have you called out upon him in prayer already? Sought him and talked to him? Asked him, called upon him? Lord, it's Tim. I'm here today. I was thinking about that when we were singing a while ago. Lord, I'm here. Lord, I'm here. Please, please speak to me today. Please help me today. 
Please undergird me and strengthen me as I stand behind this sacred desk and preach his word. Because, Lord, I want to do you justice. Lord, I'm here. Don't pass me by. Number three, do not pass me by today because of your country. Now, what is the Lord's country? <laughs> well, that's heaven, isn't it? Amen. There's been so many messages and scriptures that's about heaven. We go to the book of Revelation and we see John the Revelator and we see the, the blessings that he tells us about that's there in heaven. Not only does he reveal Christ to us and reveal the, the future things there, but he reveals to us what one of those future things is, and that is heaven and the blessings that we'll receive one day when we get there and the beauty of it. And John only has words, you know, just like you and I have. I, 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 can, I can go and... And over the mountains, I can see that beautiful sunset and the, and the oranges and the pink hues that come when the clouds are there and, and the sun is setting over there. And I can get so, so warm and fuzzy on the inside when I see that, you know. And the only thing I can use is just words that I know in my vocabulary to express that. And, and John uses words that God lays upon his heart and God lays upon his thoughts. But listen, dear friend, heaven is so much more than what John saw. Amen? So much more. What a beautiful place. And the country that we're going to one day is a holy country. Why is it holy? Because, because God is there, amen? And God is holy. He says, He is holy. Uh, we, we find here that heaven is a place that is, is, is not just holy, but heaven is, is narrow, but it's pretty large though, isn't it? A lot of people are going to get to go. A lot of people have been saved. A lot of people love the Lord and living for Him today and doing what He's asked them to do. And one of these days they're going to be in heaven. And dear friends, one of these days we're going to get to go there and see Him also. You've got friends and loved ones that's passed away, haven't you? Uh, acquaintances that you knew that you knew were a Christian and they've gone on. Preachers that I've known and that you've known as well that have gone on there in heaven. Grandmas and grandpas, children, babies. And one of these dear friends that were your dear friend, you'll get to see again one day in heaven if they've accepted Jesus Christ. What a sweet, sweet reunion that's going to be. It's a holy country. It's also a healthy country. Do you know in heaven that there'll be no more of these things? <laughs> Gray hairs. Brother, I don't know what you've done to keep your hair black, but you know... <laughs> You don't use coloring, do you, brother? <laughs> oh, you're only 30. <laughs> We're in church, brother. <laughs> Woo! Listen, when I was 30, I was already getting gray. <laughs> oh, listen. We won't have gray hair. Won't be no need for this. Now, I put these on, and I can see y'all. I take this off, and you look much better, you know. <laughs> Seriously, no pain. We're going to be healthy in heaven. How many of y'all have health problems today? Raise your hand. Anybody? Cancers. Um, and sickness. A fever, a cold, you know. I hope you didn't raise your hand if you have a fever in here because you're not supposed to be in here. <laughs> we are on live broadcast. 
So, there won't be none of that in heaven. You know that achy knee that you have? Jim, you know the achy knee that you got? When you get to heaven, it won't be achy anymore. It's going to be brand new. Woo! <laughs> Thank you, Lord. <laughs> you know the ache and pain in the neck that you have? And that's not your wife, by the way. <laughs> that ache and pain that you have. And by the way, it's not your husband neither. <laughs> he may be a pain in the neck sometimes, but it's not the one that you're thinking about. It won't be in heaven. It won't be there. Broken bones that never mended will be brand new. Yeah, the Bible tells it that when we go to heaven, we're going to receive a body likened unto Christ when he ascended back into heaven. That's a perfect body, dear friend. A body that can enter through walls. You know what Jesus did there in the upper room? When Jesus was in the upper room, he wasn't there immediately, was he? But he came through the wall, didn't he? Have you ever walked through a wall? If you did, you got knocked out. <laughs> oh, friend, we're going to have a body that way. Now, there's not going to be walls necessarily there that you have to walk through because there's no sin that you have to worry about. But we're going to have healthy bodies. And the reason we have healthy bodies is because there is no sin. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. The reason we have aches and pains in our bodies and, and heartache and disease in this world today is because of our sin, dear friend. And there will be no sin in heaven. And that's why it's a holy country and that's why it's a, a healthy country today. But it's also a happy country. In heaven, the Bible tells us about singing in heaven. About saints are singing and angels are singing. I would like to sing with an angel. Amen. I, I, I've often heard people that have angelic voices. It seems to me like they have angelic voices. Beautiful, beautiful songs. I mean, can just, can just make you, just move you with that song and their voice. But yet, dear friend, there's never been a song sung like we're going to sing when we get into heaven. You know why? Because the Bible tells us it's a new song. <laughs> Amen. Whew. And we're going to fall down and worship our Lord because of our redemption and honor him because of that. It's a happy country. Now, let me, let me close out with this today. Pass me not, O gentle Savior. Hear my humble cry because of your compassion. Lord, I know you love me because you tell me you do. The Bible tells us that God sent his son into this world. Why? Because of his love. His love is commended toward us and that while we were yet sinners, that what? Christ died for us. And that means it was given to us. It was brought forth to us. And because of that bringing forth, you and I have salvation or can have salvation today. He loves us. This is a love story that God brings into us. The entire Bible is a love story of how God loves the people and the creation that he's made. Jew or Gentile alike, friend. The Jew is the apple of his eye. And they are to yield unto him and accept him. They've forgotten about him. But yet here lately there has been more turning to him. 
That lets me know that time's close, brother. And you and I as Gentiles, if it were not for Jesus, you and I couldn't have been able to be here because he looked beyond that Jew and reached out to all of us, to the Gentile also. He loves us. Now, let me share something. We, do you know he loves thugs? Y'all know what a thug is? <laughs> he loves thugs. Let me tell you about a thug. In Acts chapter 9, we find a thug by the name of the Apostle Paul. He wasn't an apostle yet, though. He was Saul, breathing out threatenings against the church. He was, he was trying to, and was successful in, leading many Christians to their death. And God got a hold of him, didn't he? On that road to Damascus, he, he brought Jesus, Jesus brought uh, Paul down, rather, or Saul at that point in time, and brought him down to his knees, blinded him. We talked about another blind person today, didn't we? <laughs> Danny Crosby wrote a song, Do not pass me by. Jesus did not pass Paul by, did he? No, he stopped him. I said, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? Then he tells him, it's hard for you to kick against the pricks. And because of that, dear friend, the Apostle Paul walked on, got to where he was supposed to go to that Jesus told him to go. And when he gets there, he realizes his lost condition. I think he got saved during that time when he was there with Jesus. He realized it when he got over there to Priscilla and Aquila. And when that happened, things changed in Paul's life. Paul was never the same. He was no longer a thug. He was now thoughtful for Jesus. And he did everything he could for the Lord. In fact, he even tells us that he was the chiefest of all sinners. He was worse than any of you ever think that you are. But Jesus loved him, didn't he? And Jesus died for him. And Jesus gave him a great ministry. And a blessing. Paul as he's chained to a Praetorian guard in Rome, getting to lead hundreds and maybe even thousands of people to the Lord there. The Praetorian guard were 10,000 strong, and he was chained to a different one every day or every other day. They were afraid he was going to get away. Paul wasn't going anywhere. Paul had been praying for a long time to get to Rome. <laughs> but he gets there. And then later on, they behead him. You say, Jesus loved him and then they, he, he let him behead him? That's right. Because Paul says, for me to live is Christ, but to die is gain. Have you given up all for Jesus, friend? Do not pass me by. Do not pass me by, Lord. I want to give it all to you. Your compassion, Lord. Your love. Not only does he love thugs, but he loves thieves. Remember there were two thieves on the cross beside of Jesus, weren't they, on either side? He turns to the one and he says, Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. Today. Have mercy on me, a sinner. He says, Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. And all you have to do is, Lord, do not pass me by. Have mercy on me. Notice me today. Maybe you've been trying to get people to notice you for years and years. 
There's people in our world that do that, don't they? And please don't misunderstand me when I make this next statement. They color their hair. They tattoo their bodies. They do things to their bodies and to their lives that should never have been done just to get noticed. They change their clothes. They change their way they talk, the way they act, just to get noticed. Listen, dear friend. God notices sinners. And he's looking right now. He's looking for the lost. And he wants you to be saved. You don't have to change your hair color and your, and your body appearance to get Jesus to notice you. Because all you've got to do is just call out upon him. Lord, hear my cry. Just like Fanny Crosby did that day. And what a great blessing it'll be. He loves thugs, he loves thieves, but he also loves throngs. A lot of people. It means in a great group like this that there's many people in here that he loves. You may be sitting in here today and you may feel like nobody loves you and nobody cares for you. You may feel like you're at the end of your rope and there's nothing else left for me. But I'm here to tell you, dear friend, that there's everything left for you if you accept Jesus Christ. How about it now? How about it? In his biography, Bishop Watt, he relates a story of an incident that happened when he was a boy. He was in the house of a very old woman who asked him to read a framed text that was on the wall. Thou God seest me, then she said. When you're older, people will tell you that God is always watching you to see when you do wrong so he can punish you. I do not want you to think of it in that way, but I want you to memorize the text and remember all your life that God loves you so much that he cannot take his eyes off of you. Today the eyes of God are upon you. He's looking at you. He knows your heart. He knows your thoughts. He knows the intent behind that thought as well. And he's asking you today, to make that move for the Lord. To come forward. To honor Him. To love Him. To listen to Him. To accept Him as your Savior. Now maybe somebody in this congregation has never asked Jesus Christ to come into their heart. You want to. You really want to. But you're afraid like I was. Listen friend. Do not let Jesus pass you by. Reach out and grab him by the hem of his garment. He'll take notice of you, I promise you. Just reach out and take notice of him. I'm going to ask everyone to stand. Heads bowed and eyes closed. Musicians coming. Song director coming. Heads bowed and eyes closed. Pastor, if you would come forward and stand, please. I appreciate it. I closed out with the fact that God loves us because, dear friend, there's nothing more important than the love of God and the salvation that he brings into us. I pray today that you do not let Jesus pass you by today. Fathers, we come before your blessed throne of grace. We're thankful. We're thankful that we have another opportunity. Lord, you've given us another day that, Lord, we can live for you. We can accept you. 
And I pray, Father, that maybe there's more days, Lord. Because I pray, Father, that knowing and realizing that there are so many sinful people in this world today. Lord, we look around us and there's so much trouble and trial in our world and, and we see the great need for salvation. And I ask God today that, Lord, you'll help us as a lighthouse and a beacon, Father, to lead those to you. Father, many in this congregation right now, Father, they, they were at a place where lost people stood. And Father, they, they needed salvation and, and you passed by them, Father, and, and they held on to you and, and you turned and noticed them, Father, and now they're saved and living for you. People that had once been mean people, people that had once been hateful and cruel, and now, Father, they're loving and peaceful. And Father, I thank you so much for that. But I pray, Father, today that you'll help lead others to the Lord. Help us this day. Help bring these forward. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now today I want you to listen to me as you look this way. If God has spoken to your heart today in any reason for salvation, you come take my hand or the pastor's hand and let us know that you want to be saved. I know that y'all just came through revival here at the church, didn't you, brother? Revival preaching. You know, a church really can't have revival until Christians get right with God. You can't have revival until you get right with God. It starts with you. And then it mushrooms out to everybody else. And that brings about then the opportunity for more salvation. So God is seeking you today. He's seeking you to come and get right with God. As she begins to softly play, sister, some number. I'm going to ask you today, has God spoken to you? You come on now. You take your hands off the pews and step out and let God listen. I know time's going fast. But you know what? What's more important than salvation? Nothing. Chicken down at the Kentucky Fried ain't as important as salvation. Meeting someone after church isn't that important as salvation. Salvation's the most important thing lost person God's calling you today and I'm asking you to, to say to him as he passes you by stop Lord do not pass me by while on others you're calling do not pass me by stop and come back to me he will maybe you're a Christian and there's sin in your heart there's something there that you've been harboring and you've been broken down about but you're afraid and you're ashamed of it, I'm going to ask you to come to one who will never make fun of you, never laugh at you because of it. Come to Jesus. And He'll open up that heart. And He'll give you that which you need. Will you come? Will you come today? Is there one? Will you come? What number, brother, have you picked out? Amen.